This episode is brought to you by Shamrock Sun. Your new big-ass bottle of sunscreen delivered to your door by subscription. Check them out on Instagram and at shamrocksun.com. And also, it is available on Amazon. This episode is also brought to you by Menard Premium Detailing. The best auto detail service in Bucks County. Check them out on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, at MenardPremiumDetailing.com. And get your vehicle ready for the spring and summer weather. And don't forget, wherever you're listening, Apple, Spotify, drop us a five-star rating. Drop us a review. Let us know if there's anything you want us to touch on and how you're liking the show. As always, thank you for listening. We truly do appreciate it. Enjoy. All right, we're live. Welcome back. It's episode 43 of Thoughts from the Shade. Uh, we are through the Masters. We're through opening day. We're through four games with the Phillies. are sitting at 3-1. and one. And the Philadelphia 76ers are in the playoffs as the four seed, taking on the Toronto Raptors starting Saturday evening. So we'll cover it all. But first, let me introduce my co-host, this evening bomb what's up dude what's up g big week man baseball's back the fraudulent philadelphia is everybody stomping their stomping their feet and clapping their hands we'll get to that but uh no good to see you man yeah good to see you too and uh i i, I gotta open with with a congratulations you, you had a uh, a big eagle big hole out we captured uh some footage from our round Friday at Huntington Valley Country Club. Thank you to our good buddy, Critty, uh, for taking us out there. And, and Bob, I got, I got to hand it to you. You took my cash, and you did so in dramatic fashion. I pressed on the 18th hole. We both hit bombs down the fairway. Yours was a little farther for maybe the first time that day. And, uh, and uh, I hit a decent shot up there, and, and you hit a really good shot up there. And I'm in the fair. I was like, man, I think that went in the hole. And lo and behold, we walked up the hill of the 18th green at Huntington Valley, and there was no ball of bounds to be found. Hole out for Eagle, put the finishing touch on me and on the round. So really impressive stuff. It was it was cool to see. So congrats, man. And anything to add for the listeners? Yeah, the only thing I'll add is uh, just the, the layout of that hole made it a little bit anticlimactic because – with you know with the the bet on the line the press like it's an uphill blind shot you can really only see the top of the flag and i thought i hit it good i thought i hit the number i was actually actually kind of missed it a little bit right i wanted to be in the center of the green pin was in the back right and you're walking up there you know you couldn't see it from where we hit right all you saw was a bounce you you don't you can't see the hole so you know as far as walk offs go I was pumped. I was jazzed up, but you know, anytime you close out the G on the 18th hole and take that cash, you, you would like to see the ball trickle into the cup and just shove it right in his ass right there from the fairway. But we had to wait. We had to wait until we got up to the green to verify. Uh, so uh, no, I appreciate it. And, and really shout out to Critty. What, what a delight to get over there to Huntington Valley. Beautiful course, a beautiful time, a great time out there with the boys. Yeah, it really was a great day. After all that rain, we weren't sure if we were going to get out, but 
We did. And, uh, you know, we, we had a season long, lifelong memory for the bomb. So, so kudos to you, but we're getting back out there this week. We'll put some more footage up for the folks and, uh, hopefully I come out on the right side this week, but it's going to take some work. You're hitting the ball. Well, but you know, who else is hitting the ball? Well, is that Scotty Scheffler, man? Um, I mean, what? He had the lead Friday. He had the lead Saturday. And he cruised to a green jacket down at Augusta. Um, four putted. Four putted for the win on 18. I mean, pretty pretty impressive stuff to four putt on the 72nd hole and still win by, what, three shots, four shots, something like that. Um, unfortunately, not a lot of drama on Sunday. That's really what I think everybody was yearning for. And we didn't really get it. You had Cam Smith in the final pairing with Scotty, and I think he got it to within one on the front nine at one point, and then he made the birdie at 11 to, I believe, get it to three, uh, and then he hits the tee shot at 12 right in the drink, uh, makes a triple, and and it was pretty much over after that. I mean, Rory had the nice Sunday charge, but it was too little too late, and Scotty Scheffler, man, the guy's just on a heater. I feel like all these guys, all these recent guys – you know, the Spieths, then you had Rom last year, you have Scheffler this year. Like, it's kind of just a flash in the pan, and these guys kind of cash in. Um, we don't have any Tigers, you know, with the sustained greatness for all the Tiger strokers out there. But uh, any takeaways from, from the Masters this weekend, Bob? My takeaway is the next time my man G spouts off two guys at the top of a of a segment. You know, we talked about Scheffler last week. He talked about Cam Smith. I should have just just bet those guys. I should I should have parlayed those guys to finish in that order. And what do you know? Somebody did uh, a better uh, out in Vegas. Put seven hundred fifty dollars. Uh, obviously before the Masters kicked off, and the bet was that Scotty Scheffler and Cam Smith would finish. I guess in in first and second. That hurts, right? Because I think Rory finished finished second, but. G G ne- nearly cashed this ticket seven fifty, all day long would have been in the money could have cashed out right, would have netted ninety three grand so, uh would have been nice to have been able to cash at least something close to that on that Sunday, uh, or at least take the buyout. But uh, as for McElroy, I think a little bit of obviously kudos to Scheffler. You know, I I, I kind of enjoyed Camp Smith after the round talking about how you just can't go in the drink there. Um, no excuses, but he, you know, he's, he said it, he's like, look, I feel good on this course. Uh, I guess second year in a row where he's played pretty well at, at Augusta, but this Rory talk, I mean, the celebration, the fanfare, like the fucking guy wasn't even close. Like, I, I just don't understand it. Like, yeah, you it, it's like what I did, except what I did at Huntington Valley was like to take money and win, like win the press, like. Rory's hole out from the bunker meant fucking nothing. I guess so, but you could you could say he moved up the board a little bit more, made a little bit more cash, and oh, boards, yeah. come on, man, are you kidding me? And yet, yet more Kawa hole it out right after my. I mean, I I get the point that it really it really means nothing, and and the uh, the antics, the celebrations might have been over the top, but I I don't know you're. You're looking at me like I'm nuts. What, what do you think? Gee, Rui McIlroy hold out from that bunker. He celebrated like 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 he won the whole thing. 
I mean, not that holding out from 145, a blind shot at Huntington Valley is remotely the same, but did I even fist pump? I mean, I walked up, picked my ball up, tapped a couple hands. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I mean, Rory McIlroy flings the club in the bunker. No etiquette. Arms are flailing. He looked like those used car, uh, uh, you know, inflatable devices that they put up with the, the flaily arms. And he's going nuts like he just walked off the Masters. Well, you didn't you didn't see yours go in. So it might, would it have been a little different if you saw it drop in the cup? I can assure you the club would have stayed in my hand. Yeah, you're an etiquette guy, I guess. Yeah. I didn't hate it. You have the crowd going nuts. I mean, I think that plays a factor with uh, the spectators there on 18, the huge crowd. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't hate it. I mean, yeah, he didn't win. Um, you, you think about other sports where, you know, somebody scores a sick goal in hockey, but they're down 5-1. Like, they don't even celebrate. They, they don't even do the fist bump line or, or raise the stick. So I, I, I hear the point, um, but it, it was a hell of a shot. The thing is, it wasn't like he had, it wasn't like it was some crazy bounce or like he jarred a shot that went straight into the hole. He chipped, he, he, he got out of the bunker, put it up on that hill and it rolled all the way down. He had maybe 15 seconds to determine what a celebration was going to be. The closer the ball got to the hole, it's rolling, it's rolling, it's rolling. And that's what he pulled off. A club toss and a auto detail or, or car dealership arm flapper. I got Is there anyone that's more hyped than McElroy? I mean, for the amount of hype he gets, the next Tiger, the commercials with Tiger, the Nike bullshit, um, I'm not impressed. Yeah, he can drive the ball, but that's about all he can do. Yeah, I was going to say, I got Menard on the brain with that, that, that fumble fuck of the words there, but now, he does get a ton of hype, and I feel like he hasn't really won anything anything big in a while. I mean, if I can remember, maybe he had one win last year. Wasn't a major. Um, you know, would have to check check the game notes. But that, I, I hear that, that he gets a ton of hype, doesn't really put the wins out lately, and that's kind of what I'm talking about with these, like, flash-in-the-pan guys. Like, ever, ever since Tiger's dominance, uh, before I even really started watching golf, like, Nowadays, in the last five, eight years, however long I've been watching, it's just like guys going little heaters, and then they kind of drift off into the abyss and and are kind of forgotten. Now, were you were you pulling for Scheffler uh, during the Masters? Uh, the reason I ask is I heard before before his final round, apparently got quite emotional with his wife. He bawled his eyes out. He was unsure of whether or not he was going to be able to hang on. Um, I figured that would connect with you. You know, it's probably how you feel whenever you teed up with bomb. Um, were you pulling for Scotty when you heard that story? I am a bit of a crier. I, I won't deny it. Luckily, uh, my, my partner is, is a bigger crier than me. There, there aren't many out there, but I'm lucky for that. Uh, but no, I didn't, I didn't hear the story that that story until, until after the final round, but no, I was, I was pulling for Scotty. Um, like I was watching with my brother and he he was even saying like I want to see this get close but like unless Scotty really fucks up like I I don't want to see him lose he's played so well he's he's on this hot streak you just want to see Smith make it competitive 
you know, maybe Scheffler mixes in a, a, a bogey or a double. Cam gets hot and it gets real close and we get the drama. But no, I, I can't say that I was, you know, root, rooting for him to not get it done. Just the way he's been playing and there's nothing really to not like about the guy. But uh, sp- speaking of the whole, you know, wife and, and emotional situation, did you hear the fella ask Colin Morikawa before the Masters uh, the question about something in regard to him getting married and, and that people like you like to say that that their play will taper off now that they've you know locked somebody down maybe a little more focus on the relationship i heard it i heard it i posted it to the account i mean was that was that you in in the media scrum at the masters it it, it should have been and i looked at um another guy mcelroy same way got married um hasn't done much since has a kid all the media does is ask him about the perspective. Well, what's your perspective now that you have a kid? Blah, blah, blah. What I noticed about Scheffler. Now, he's married. He's a young guy, 25. University of Texas guy. His wife, Meredith, is an Aggie. Texas A&M. Uh, they went to high school together. They finish up that. He finishes up that third round on Saturday. And... I feel like a lot of guys who are married at that age, they'd finish up their round and they'd be done and they'd be, you know, hanging out with wifey. Scheffler was grinding it out on the range, hitting balls into darkness. Comes out later, he finishes up, you know, gets showered up, goes out and grabs food, is heading back with his wife to go watch the office. The food spills all over. So, you know, then the wife cooked him up dinner or whatever the hell. Well, maybe they ordered something else. But this is a guy who literally think of it Saturday night. Played. Didn't didn't finish really all that strong on Saturday. Had You know, had that tough last hole. And, you know, his wife was probably thinking, you know, Scotty, why don't we grab a bite to eat? Hang on, hon. I got to get some work in on the range. I respect the hell out of this guy. I'm a Scotty Scheffler fan now, man. You got to respect it. And, and not only did he play 18 holes on Saturday, but I mean, he expended extra energy putting that vest on and taking it off, putting the vest on, taking it off. And then he, he duck hooks or, or dead pulls the, the tee shot on 18 and he's climbing through the forest to find this ball. And then when he finally finds it, you know, he's working out the drop area for a good 10 or 15 minutes in the pine needles. And this guy's down, you know, crouched down like JT Realmuto, and, and he's picking at these pine needles like he's performing open heart surgery on the ground at Augusta. I mean, it just it it was unbelievable. And I mean, I don't mean to knock the guy, but and he he was the last guy out. So what else are they going to show, you know, on the coverage? But I mean, he this guy's down there picking pine needles. I, I just want to see the ball get dropped and hit it. I mean, we need a little pace of play out there. Well, apparently what happened was the rules official told him he couldn't move it. And then he argued it and said, well, these are loose impediments. And they said, well, you can move it, but only in the area where the ball is going to be dropped. So in order to determine where he was going to remove these pine needles, he was taking a tee and probing underneath the pine needles to ensure that there were not any hidden roots. So that was a little bit of that next, you know, 
gee, I know you like those short tees. Don't go buying those long tees thinking you're going to be probing pine needles over at Lulu because I'm going to call you on it, okay? I'm going to put you right on that fucking clock. It ain't going to happen on my watch, brother. Dude, I'm telling you, that 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 lady over at Pina's and, and Chalfont, she could have hired Scheffler to, to dig the ditch uh, <laughs> in the front yard that she was planning on getting rid of the corpse there. Um, nah, not not to make, make light of, of a shitty situation, but... You just um, did, so yeah, yeah. No, we're here. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. That's why we're here. You're right, but no, I mean, I, I just think like Christ, if if that was the process for me, if I was ever playing in any serious competitive golf, and uh, that was the process for for me assessing drops uh, and getting the drop right, I mean, my rounds would be what seven, eight hours, you think? Yeah, well, you'd be you're you'd be wearing like uh, like you'd have to you'd have to go golfing like landscapers gear because the amount of woods you'd be climbing through, uh, you know crouching in trying to find balls yeah um i mean i think the last thing i'll say about the masters like despite the fact that it it wasn't tight it wasn't dramatic down the stretch like i don't care like who wins or whatever but like just sitting on your couch having the masters on early april um it wasn't the nicest day but usually like the sun's beaming in the living room. You got you got the masters on, and then you see the final puck go in. The crowd's going nuts. The whoever wins, hugs his family. Whether it was Tiger with his kids a few years back, or Matsuyama and his caddy with the epic bow, you know, on the 18th green. Like, no matter what happens, when the champion walks off the green, like that, that is an epic. Like, no matter what, chills moment for me. I don't I don't know how you feel. Like that that despite the lack of drama, like the end just makes it worth watching to the end. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, the minute, the minute that, that, you know, that the last guy's in and the winner's announced and you see it on the screen, I think it, you realize that, uh, you know, that guy's life has, has changed, you know, forever. You, you know, great. You're a professional golfer. You know, that, that's, that's a huge achievement. But to win the Masters, to be a part of that club, to go back there every year, to have the green jacket, the whole thing, like that's a totally different beast. And, um, you know, he will always be introduced as, you know, Masters champion, professional golfer, Scotty Scheffler. I do have a confession. You talk about the sun pouring in. You talk about just the Sunday afternoon environment at the G household. I don't know that I've ever watched a full 18. Sunday at the Masters. Typically, bomb, you know, dials it up. He watches literally. It's every year without fail. This is what happens. So this year, I watched the first three or four holes, then I fell asleep, and I always seem to wake up around like the eleventh hole of like the final group to watch the guy like go in the drink on twelve. So I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like my body is so attuned to how to kind of navigate the course, no different than these golfers on the television. So I don't know if it's just me, but I I get a quality nap in, you know, really after those first three to four holes up until 12 every year at the Masters. Yeah, well, you're juiced up, you know, for the start of the final round, the final pairing. You get through those first couple holes, and then it's it's Sunday afternoon. You got Jim Nance and his voice kind of soothing your nap. And then you're back up to the crowd roaring that the Cam Smith just splashed one on 12. So, no, I feel you. Um, and I will say, 
I did get on the Tiger Strokers last week. My, my feelings haven't changed, um, but I'm a businessman. I did bet Tiger to make the cut, and and we cashed that. So we, wow. we, we we did we did make a little cash this weekend uh, on the old cat. But now nah, nothing else on the Masters for me. I mean, we could take it over the diamond and uh, the boys in the red pinstripes if you're ready. Let's do it. Philadelphia Phillies off to a three-one start. They got the Mets right now, Bob. I think you got it on in the background here as we're recording. We got any score? Bottom second, two outs, start at the plate, still 0-0. Zero, zero. And we got Wheeler on the bump tonight, right? Wriggled out of a jam in the first. I think he had the bases loaded. But, uh, yeah, Wheeler, Wheeler's on the bump. Probably not going to throw a ton, but maybe four or five innings. Yeah, well, ho- hopefully he lasts, comes out unscathed, uh, both on, on the field and health-wise. But, no, nah, I mean, feels like the Phillies are off to a solid start. Um. You know, they they had a really, really good comeback Monday night against the Mets. You know, Suarez, short leash or short outing. Who was the guy, Nelson? Yep. Yeah, the reliever came in for four innings. I think held him to a run. Really helped, uh, you know, stop the bleeding there for the Phils. Yeah, and then you get to the eighth inning and, you know, the, the bats get hot. Um, Didi with the big double, I think, that, that put them up. And they ultimately close it out. Um, but whoa, I feel- whoa, 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 whoa. We're going to talk about DD. We're not going to talk about the BCIB putting the charge into one, man. That that was exactly my thought as as he knocked that that hanger out, out of the park. The BCIB, got he got it started with a two-run dinger. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I, I can't say I have many takeaways, you know, early on here. It, it, it's super early. I mean, Tom McCarthy would tell you otherwise. He says that there's a different feel about this team through four games. I mean, it's unbelievable. But uh, the one big story for Monday night was was Alec Bohm or Bomb, whatever you want to call him. Boom. You want to call him Bum? Call him Bum. Don't yeah, ever what, call we, him Bum. There's we'll, only one Bum in this town. We'll, we'll call him Bum. Uh, Alec Bum, three errors in, uh, in less than two innings. He did have like a double and two walks and and scored in in the rally, um, but really the story was what he said, uh, what what he was caught saying on the field after the errors. I believe he his his lips uttered the words "I fucking hate this place" to Gregorius after the fans were giving him hell after a couple errors uh, early in that game, and he confessed. You know he owned up to it in, in the post game media scrum. And he said, yeah, I said it. It was out of emotion. Um, you know, my emotions got the best of me, and I'm just paraphrasing here. But then he, he ultimately came out and gave the fans credit for kind of getting the rally going in the eighth and, and said he he loves it here. So I don't know what your take is on that, but I might be curious to hear it. I mean – this is so classic Philadelphia to even be like talking about this. Who gives a shit? Like the guy, th- how many did he boot? Ver- I saw he threw one away, right? Threw one or two away. How many did he boot? Like how many were, were with the glove and how many were, were, were with the arm? Can you give me an errors breakdown? I know two were with the arm. Uh, I, I would say the third one was the boot, but I didn't see them all. I saw, yeah. I saw the two with the arm. So, He's got the yips with his arm. And 
I don't know. I mean, I've had the yips with a golf club or a putter, and I turn around to you and I say, I fucking hate this place. Does that mean I'm I'm giving up my membership at Lulu Country Club? No. Um, but it felt like there was some some hate in there from from Boom. I kind of like it. Like, does this guy have some fight that you know that's going to come out here as he's battling for a job with Stott? And uh, Camargo can obviously pick it. So I don't know, man. I mean, I like that there's a little bit of fire in this guy. I don't know if I would have used those words. Um, but he's got to do something. I mean, the it's one thing if you're booting the ball around with the glove, you can work on that. But throwing errors are so... Throwing errors are so bizarre to me. And I'm saying that as a guy who has played on that field. I've played third base at Citizens Bank Park in a game before at, in, as part of the Bill Giles Classic Division Two. They bring in, you know, what is it, six or eight Division Two teams. Uh, you you got to win your way to the bank. We won our way to the bank. I played third. And let me tell you, there's literally no excuse. Literally no excuse. Every ball is perfect. Every bounce is perfect. When you look up at the first baseman and you peer across the diamond to throw it to him, I mean, it's like it's like a, a, a radar guided missile you can like throw across the diamond. There's no excuse. So I don't get it. Clearly, this guy has some like mental issues he's trying to work out. Um, I would not let him work them out in Philadelphia. I think this team hits enough where you could stick a guy like this Camargo guy out there. You could stick Stott out there. Um, hell, you can call up Pedro fucking Felice. And he could pick it out there for this team. I mean, they do not need a bat in the lineup. They need a guy who can field the position reliably. And this comes back to the the big issue that I had at the beginning of the season. I just don't think they have enough guys that can pick it in the field. Yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously had struggles at the plate, struggles in the field. Um, but, I mean, my my takeaway from the whole thing is, like, I mean, we like guys that are accountable, and, and I feel like the post-game words were, were all him being accountable of himself. Like, he knows that he's got to do better. He understands why the fans are getting on him. Um, and like you said, like, we play golf. We we suck uh, more times than not, and, and it's frustrating. But that doesn't mean that, that we don't love the game, that we don't keep grinding and keep trying. Um, so I, I was just – honestly pleased with his approach with the media after the game. Like he just took it head on. He's like, yeah, that's what I said. Um, I, I understand why they got on me. And he, again, he complimented the fans afterward and says that he loves them and it's going to do better. So, I mean, what, what more could you ask for? Honestly, like, I feel like there's so many guys out there that would be like, Oh, that, I, I didn't say that. Like tr try to like call out people yeah, for interpreting like the camera. But, gee, do you think this was a, a situation where he was coached by the Phillies people? Sure. Like, like, they finish the game, somebody pulls him aside and says, look, here's the here's, here's the shitstorm that's been going on on the Internet for the past two hours. If you get a question, you might want to answer it this way. Yeah, like, let's, I, let, let, like, let's not pretend like this is like he comes off the field and he's like, yeah, I said it, and I'm sorry, and I love this city, like – Someone pulled him aside and said, dude, you know, what's going on here? Sure, but it wasn't it wasn't like a total like scripted thing that it was so obvious. Like it it felt genuine. 
And sure, even if the Phillies PR people did coach him up, like good on them because we got plenty of other athletes in these city, in this city that don't get coached up by any PR. They come out and say the most ridiculous shit. So you're saying Boom takes coaching well then? It's it seems like it. I mean, I think he's too big. I think he's just a he's too tall. Like when you field, you gotta you gotta bend at your knees. You gotta get your ass down. And I feel like with his height, he 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 folds at the waist. And then the arms come down, and he doesn't know what to do. And then he has to unfold at the waist to stand up and throw. And what he ends up doing is pushing the ball. And and it's either going to sail or it's going to be off target. So I don't know if there's a way for him to kind of bend his knees better, but he's, like, too big to play that position. Yeah, you can definitely see him kind of pushing it or, or shoving it. Honestly, it reminds me of uh, my brother had, had some throwing struggles in our younger days, and that's how, like, he couldn't get it off. Um, it it kind of looks like that a little bit. You can't guide. When you're playing third base, when you're playing second base, you might be able to guide a ball over there. When you're playing third base, you got to grip it and rip it. You can't. And, and that, that goes with whoever's running down the line. Could be Yadier Molina, the slowest guy out there. You got to grip it and rip it. Because the minute you get to the point of guiding it, it's going to sail. It's going to be off target. The first baseman's got to abandon the bag. Now he's making a tag. God forbid he gets injured breaks his arm and now what you're playing now now you got you know multiple guys that are out of position so they got to get this figured out um i don't know if there's a uh i mean how many other have you seen a third baseman that's that big in the league i i none come to mind off the top of my head no not for me either but yeah, I mean, other than that happening, I don't have any like huge, huge takeaways from the first few games here. Um, really hard to tell like who's off to a hot start. It's a little too soon. I mean, you had Aaron Nola pitch on opening day. He was solid, and then he did his usual like six or seventh inning blow up. So he's in midseason form. Uh, Girardi's yeah. in midseason form, leaving him out there. Bases are loaded. Uh, first of all, I don't know why you left him out there to start that inning to begin with. He got a big lead, and. uh Girardi did what Girardi does, leaving him out there. Um, I, you know, if they had Mariano Rivera in the bullpen, I'm not sure he would bring him in for the amount of times he's left Nola out there on the fucking bump. Yeah, it's so bad. And you can just, like, feel it coming with him, too. It's every night. But Monday night, too, you had Bryce Harper try to gun somebody out at home, like, later in the game. And he was, like, out Winton in right field, grabbing, grabbing at the elbow area. And lo and behold, we got Dr. John Crook up in the booth to diagnose Bryce, uh, you know, hope, hoping for a speedy recovery, uh, calling out potential injuries. He was saying that, you know, maybe just a nerve got out of place and hopefully it slides back on track. Uh, but all things said, uh, Bryce was fine. He was back in the game, finished the game. Uh, I don't know if he's in the lineup tonight as we're recording here. Uh, but, Bob, I know you have some thoughts kind of on the broadcast. You shared them on the Instagram story. Uh, let, let's keep it light. You know, let's keep it civil. But, I mean, you you pointed this this out to me, and I never really thought about it because I'm, I'm not a 162-game guy. But once you called it out, this, this broadcast, night in and night out, is going to make it watchable for me, no matter how the team is, because I just crack up, like, at every other thing that happens on this broadcast. It's with the amount of money that John Middleton has spent on this roster. 
I'm shocked that they're trotting out this this crew for NBC Sports Philadelphia. I mean, it's so it's so minor leagueish. It's 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 beyond bad. I mean, listen to any other city. Do yourselves a favor. If you're a baseball fan and you want to watch other games, do yourself a favor and buy the MLB.tv package. You can get it on your Fire Stick or whatever streaming device you got. And just watch the away broadcasts, whether it be the New York Mets, whether it be the uh, the Giants uh, with, with Kruko and, and the gang. Every single city has a major league capable broadcasting crew. The Phillies have a minor league broadcasting crew. This guy, Tom McCarthy, and I'm, I'm not going to hurl personal insults about his his head, his body, his size. Let's keep it to, to just what he does on the call. I was stunned. Here you spend all this money on free agents. You got a team that's off to a hot start. They're playing a Sunday getaway game against the uh, the, against the 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 uh, or I should say the Athletics are in a getaway game. The Phillies are going for a sweep, and we're already talking about Manco and Manco Pizza. They brought a pizza up to the booth every fucking game. It's something with this broadcast, whether it's the Bulls barbecue ribs. Oh. The fanatic came up with popcorn. Isn't that great? Oh, Crocky, Crocky, Crocky. Oh, my God. The fanatics here with funnel cake. Isn't that a great surprise? <laughs> Every game. It's like a chuckle fest. You know, he can't just let the moment breathe. He can't read a fly ball, whether it's a fly ball or a homer. He announces a home run the minute the fan is putting the ball in, its, in, his, in his fucking pocket. I mean, he, the fan will catch the ball or there's a scrum. Somebody will come up with it. It'll go into a fan's pocket. It'll be handed to a little kid, whatever you want to do. And that and ball when, is gone. That's when Tom McCarthy makes the call. And he, the other thing that's bizarre about this guy, he's a play-by-play guy. But then he tries to jump in and give you analysis. And that's where it gets hilarious because Kruk just sits. I'm convinced Kruk is just drinking on the job because he's probably like, We're, I'm back with this bozo again this year. Like, how do I even do this? So, the Phillies are playing this game on, on Monday night against the Mets. The big comeback. Castellanos, I think, scores. Was it the tying run or the winning run? Coming around the bases. I'd have to look. I, I, he might have been tying. Might have been the tying run. So he's on first base. The ball gets shot down the left field line. Kind of settles down near the corner. And he scores all the way from first. Now, there were two outs. So he's getting a huge secondary lead. And he's off on the crack of the bat. So he scores. And... Uh, yeah, it was Hoskins who drove him in with a yep. double. And and McCarthy can't help himself. Like he he just never can just let the moment breathe. He's always got to say something. Well, give Castellanos credit there. He was hustling all the way. What, what what do you mean give him credit? There's two outs. They're down by a run. He's got to score to tie the game. He just got a bag two weeks ago. And I gotta give the guy credit for busting it from first base. I mean it's so bad from that. And then he's t- talking about Hoskins with the RBI double. Hoskins was already like drinking a Powerade by the time he, you know, he announced the double. The other thing is too, when they, when they're losing games, like earlier in that game, it was four, nothing. And they turn a double play in like the seventh or eighth inning. He announces a double play. 
like he's never seen a double play before at the major league level. You would think that he's at his son's in-house little league game with a bunch of 10, 11 and 12 year olds. And they, and they were able to turn their first double play of their little lives. That's the way this guy announces these plays. And it's not a big moment. You're down four, nothing. It's the seventh inning. It's not like a three, two game in game seven of the world series. You get out of a jam. Tom McCarthy is calling it like it's like it's that moment on a double play down for nothing. It, it, it's just the way he calls the game. It's the analysis that he gives you. You're a play by play. Just shut your mouth. Uh, it's it's the, the little acts that he has Sundays with Schmidt. Oh, we brought another pizza up to the booth. Like, I just, <laughs> I just and, and the worst part of the whole thing here. I, I assume there are people that like this shtick because it's been going for how long? But this is what we have after Harry, after how many years of Harry Callis and Ashburn and to a lesser extent, Chris Wheeler. Remember Chris Wheeler? He basically got run out of the booth. People killed Chris Wheeler. I killed Chris Wheeler for some of the things he would say. But at least Chris Wheeler was a baseball guy. Chris Wheeler was a Philadelphia Phillies diehard. Tom McCarthy is a Mets fan. Tom McCarthy's not a baseball guy. You can go listen to Tom McCarthy call LaSalle Explorers versus St. Joseph's University Hawks basketball game in February. That's where Tom McCarthy belongs. Not every freaking night of the summer in your living room calling the Phillies. It's so bad. No, I I hear you. Ever since you pointed it out. And and last night earlier in the game, they're down. And he's telling Crocky about some baseball glove that somebody gave him and it's like this Japanese baseball glove and Crook's digging on him because well how come you haven't broken it in you only get out once a year and, and you know t- obviously T-Mac he's busy with all these calls he's doing college hoops football Westwood one whatever but he's he's going on and on about this glove. Oh, it's so it's so hard for me to break it in, you know. It, like talking about the kind of glove and it's red or it's blue. And, and this he he always just has these tales that that have nothing to do with what's going on in the game or what's going on that night. And like I said, I mean, you pointed it out to me, and I just can't believe it. Um, but I will give a plug. You know, m- my suggestion would be to pull Fransky off the radio and put him on TV. I like Fransky. No-brainer. It's a they, no-brainer. Yeah. They, 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 you you really got to love Fransky, especially, you know, you got the portable radio if you're on the beach in the summer for a day game. Like, you can't really beat that. Uh, and, then, and then quick plug for our guy, Maniac. He had Mitch Williams on in episode three of the Shot in the Beer show that he's hosting. And I feel like Fransky and Mitch as your color guy would, would be a great team. So I, I, I'm calling for that. Mitch and Fran or yeah, Mitch and Fransky. If you, if you wanted to take the radio guys and put them on TV and put the TV guys on radio, I mean, I would be happy with that. I just don't think Tom McCarthy fits anywhere. You know, to your point about the little shtick with his little glove. I mean, I don't know. There's another play by play guy in the world where like, I know all about his kids. I know all about his family, Patrick McCarthy. He played at, some bullshit little D3 school in New Jersey. Now he's a play-by-play guy. He did a Phillies game two years ago when dad couldn't make it. It's like a whole family affair. Meanwhile, like Harry Callis's kid has more talent in like his pinky as like a singer and a vocalist than like both of these guys combined. I didn't even know he had a kid until he came out there and sang at Harry Callis's freaking memorial at Citizens Bank Park. 
Yeah, and I think I think Monday night was uh, was was I want to say it's Kyle Crook is is Crook's son. It was his birthday, and then they're going on about where they're going to dinner and if they're going to see. They must have been going somewhere on the main line because they're talking about, oh, oh, did you see Jay Wright? Oh, did you see Colin Gillespie? I mean, it, it, it's just a yuck fest up there. What did you think Sunday? So Sunday they were they somehow they got on the topic of the Sixers during during the baseball game, and they're you know they're losing to the A's. Tom McCarthy was texting. I'm gonna butcher his last name. What's the guy's last name? Allah, the color guy for the Sixers. Uh, Allah, I'm gonna give him my best try. Allah Abdenabi. Allah Abdunabi. Tom McCarthy is texting Allah Abdunabi mid-call and reading the text as he formulates it. Allah, uh, do the Sixers have Toronto? Is uh, such and such going to play? It was like, what What am I watching here? And, and, and then even the production. I put it on the, the IG last night. You know, Pete Alonzo makes a sliding catch in foul territory in the second inning, and we're naming it the precision play of the game. I mean, yeah, it was a nice play, but can we wait and watch the rest of the game, see if anybody else makes a play? I mean, it's just from top to bottom. It's so Bush League. It's so minor league. It's so bad, and we, I'm starting it. We deserve better. When are we going to put our feet, our foot down as Philadelphia fans and say, you know what, enough of this bullshit, enough of the honk fest. Enough of the yuck fest. We deserve a first-class play-by-play guy in Philadelphia. I don't disagree, but until anything changes, hopefully everybody can kind of take a page out of my book and just enjoy what you've pointed out and get get a laugh out of it because I was laying there last night, dude, just cracking up at this stuff, thinking about you just steaming or fuming about this shit. Yeah, I can't laugh about it. Like, like I, it, it, it makes me angry. And you, you laugh because you, you're, you think it's funny because it makes me angry. Here's my biggest fear: How much longer can Merrill Reese go? And we know McCarthy does football. If this asswipe thinks he's gonna call Phillies games and Eagles games when Merrill goes, I will renounce my Philadelphia fandom. I'll say that this is it. I can't do it anymore. It's McCarthy or me. Well, that's the one plus about the NFL, at least the tele- televised or, or television broadcasts. Um, you know, there's no there's no local team because, I mean, we we can get into it in August, but you know that that local team on Channel Six or Channel Ten that does the Eagles preseason games. I mean, that, talk talk about minor league. I mean, I'll I'll just leave it at that. Well, I think you're referring to Scott Graham. Now, Scott Graham used to call Phillies games. Scott Graham should be in this role versus Tom McCarthy. Tom McCarthy's a Mets fan, like just so people are aware. Tom McCarthy is a New York Mets fan. I'm not totally thinking about Scott Graham. I'm, I'm thinking more of the, the, the sideline Eagles inside reporter. Spud? Spuds. Well, uh, that's just that's Russian propaganda. That's what that is. He's like an employee of the Eagles giving you sideline updates. Yeah, so I, I, I can't get on him, but. No, that the Eagles preseason thing is is bad. So you just got to be thankful that NFL TV is is all national. Yeah, and, but and you get some you good could guys. say that. But baseball, there's something about baseball. I agree with you. Yeah, NFL is national. Baseball, it's every night. It's the pulse of the summer. It's I'm cracking a beer on the porch. I got the TV on in the living room. The door open. I still hear it coming through. 
over the music. It's, oh, I'm down the shore. It's June or July or August. You're, you're sitting on the beach all day. You come back. You're cooking up steaks. You're cooking up burgers, hot dogs, having a beer. It's on TV. So, like, literally, nice weather, best moments of your life, memories that you're making with your family. This is what we get? This guy? This team? I mean, it's really bad. The games are so damn long, too. But, I mean, speaking of, of T-Mac's, you know, text message exchange on Sunday during the broadcast, we, we got to talk Sixers. I mean, we had the hard and trade, what, late February, early March, and, and everybody said, you know, it's all, it only matters in the playoffs. It doesn't count to the playoffs. Well, the playoffs are here, folks. Sixers finish at 51-30. and 30. Fourth place in the East. They didn't get the one seed. That's all you heard about last year. Oh, they got the one seed. They got the one seed. No, they got the four seed this year. They got the Toronto Raptors. Game one is Saturday at 6 o'clock at the center. Um, and we're just going to give our predictions, I guess, and, and talk a little bit about expectations. I mean, I know when the Harden deal went down, I went on the record and said for the season to be a success that they got to win the East, they got to make the finals. Um, but, man, I mean, I had a little bit of hope after the first two games. He looked sharp. He looked fresh. But ever since, it's kind of looked messy. And he looks like me driving the lane on, on a kid that was 6'5", you know, in, in 2009. Uh, just slow and, and nowhere to go. So, I mean – unless he, he's recharged for the playoffs, unless, you know, something crazy happens in the next week and, and this guy gets healthy and finds a new gear, my expectations aren't sky high for for this team, for this run. Uh, it doesn't help, obviously, with the matisse Thibel situation. He's not going to be able to play in the away games in Toronto. Why, that why hurts. Not? He's unvaxxed. He's a shot blocker. Is that is that accurate? He's a shot blocker? Yeah, he's a shot blocker. He blocks every shot. It's a nice little basketball uh, innuendo there, Bomb. But no, no Matisse on the road. Obviously, one of your starters, one of your best perimeter defenders. Uh, and, and then the other thing that's really been discouraging lately is, is that clown Glenn Rivers. I mean, this guy is cucked by every little question from the Philadelphia media. Uh, you had Paul Reed, who's kind of a depth guy, a bench guy, had a great game with Embiid and Harden not playing in the last regular season game. Somebody asked him a question about it, and this guy goes, it's not going to be the Paul Reed victory lap or the victory tour. I mean, just totally cucked at the stand heading into the playoffs. I mean, I've put him on after games on other nights, and he's got attitude with the media. So, like, how does does that translate to the locker room and what's going on in the locker room? I have no idea. Um, I'll save my pick. I'll let you go first, Bob. I mean, what do you think about this series? I mean, I agree with you. Glenn, Glenn Rivers is just a prick. Uh, to the fans, the media, he basically called us stupid last year by saying that, uh, you know, who the hell are we to say that because Ben can't shoot, he can't do other things. Um, he's arrogant. And let's be honest, he was carried to a title by Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce and Rajon Rondo. Uh, let's just let's just be totally blunt. This guy has blown more, more, more playoff series than any any other coach. He's a fraud. And, and he's a fraud for using that nickname, especially in this town. In terms of predictions, you know me, not a huge basketball guy, but I can judge Hart a mile away. Raptors win this series 4-2. Wow, quick and to the point. I, I, I don't hate it, and I, and I totally agree. Um, you know, I was 
texting with some folks about about the series, about the matchup. I think it's a bad matchup. Um, just doing some reading, you know, uh, I think the coach of the Raptors is Nick Nurse. Apparently, very strategic guy, smart guy. Uh, probably not going to be uh, a, a coaching du- duel, you know, between between him and Glenn. Um, Glenn will be no match for for Nurse. And then they they apparently they have length, you know, the Raptors. I mean, they still have Siakam from the title run and Van Fleet. Um, but then they got some long guys that they like to load some lineups with like no guys shorter than like six, eight. So that'll be tough. I mean, obviously Embiid will still be able to probably feast a little bit, but I, I get worried about him. I feel like every year you get in these tight games, fourth quarter, he's got the ball in the block or like in the lane and somebody comes in with a double and swipes it. And, and it he's a walking turnover and, and it goes the other way. So too many, too many nightmares and, and retreads uh in, in that regard uh i think this the raptors took the season series three to one um but no i i don't think this team has the heart uh you know it seems like every time they get punched in the mouth they, they don't really respond well uh i'm almost ready to say like if the sixers lose game one i wouldn't be surprised if this was like a four or five game series victory for the raptors wouldn't surprise me would, would that surprise me? It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I'm not going to go there. I, I'm going to pick the Sixers in seven. That's my pick. I don't love it. I think the Sixers on the series uh, are a minus 210 favorite. I do see a lot of value in, in betting the Raptors. And honestly, betting the Raptors series, getting that plus money, and then betting the Sixers game one. If the Sixers win game one, your, your Raptors bet is still alive. You know, you kind of cover, cover, covered your ass a little bit um, and made some money back. But if the Sixers lose game one, I mean, it, it's going to be so bad because Doc is so shook. Um, and, and I I feel like that has to translate to the rest of the team. No matter what Embiid comes out and says or what Harden comes out and says, if they lose game one and he's, you know, bickering with the media in the, in the post game, it, it's all hell is going to break loose. I'm going to throw something out there. If they lose game one and I'm the owner of the 76ers, I would fire Glenn Rivers in that moment. I mean, I don't disagree. Like, like we don't have time. Like, we don't have time. Like, this is the, this is quote unquote, the MVP year for Embiid. We got this, the other star. Like, we, we do not have time for him to figure it out in a series. Like, they lose game one. I would fire him after the game. Yeah, like I'm I'm already prepared to to face the fact that like Doc or Glenn is going to be the reason that, that they lose this series. Like I think the Sixers probably have a better roster. They definitely have the better star power. Um the Raptors don't really have anybody that can guard and bead one on one. There's no reason they shouldn't win this series, is really what I'm getting at. Um but look you know doing a little reading, looking at the gambling lines. You know, I think uh, the series length at seven games is the betting favorite. I mean, that spells that spells upset for me. Especially when what, you're talking about that that size that the Raptors like to go to in some of the rotations, their big, their big unit. And Thibault is one of those guys that has length, has size, uh, can do some things for you defensively. And he's not going to be available for roughly half of the games. I mean... Tells me all I need to know. Um, so I, I, I like the Raptors. I like the Raptors 
you know, before game seven, I like him in six. Um, and I'm just interested to see what the spin zone is here from the fan base. Uh, is it going to be that James Harden is injured? Is it going to be that James Harden's out of shape? Are we going to blame uh, Glenn Rivers? Uh, are we going to blame the lack of depth? Um, when are we going to look ourselves in the mirrors and just realize that this franchise, it's never enough? You know, you could have stars, you could have depth, you could have a, a coach that came up under a, a championship-winning head coach like Brett Brown. You can bring in a championship-winning head coach like Glenn Rivers. It's never going to be enough. It starts at the top. It starts with ownership. Uh, it starts with Josh Harris. It starts with Michael Rubin, who is more interested in flying helicopters to state prisons and bringing guys in to ring bells before games. Now, this guy owns the Fanatic, the Fanatic's uh, uh, clothing, right? Wouldn't you know, the Philadelphia Phillies can't get their hands on their Sunday cream jerseys and their Thursday afternoon baby blue jerseys. Why is that? Well, let's let's find out, folks. It turns out the Fanatics makes the jerseys uh, supply chain issues. So, you know, I don't know what Ruben's doing. I don't know what he's posting on Instagram. Maybe he's selling skis like he used to when he was 16. But when you have a businessman that can't take care of business, and then he's owning a pro sports team. It tells me all I need to know. A, a franchise built around losers. The other guy you got to look at is Daryl Morey. I mean, this guy was goaded after the James Harden trade. And, and yes, I, I will never disagree with that trade and disagree with, with shipping out Bum Simmons from this town. But it really has left the bench depleted. And, and that, that's, that might be the spin zone. Uh, you know, f- from the Twitter keyboard warriors... Uh, that that are tweeting out, play the song, and, and hashtag show you love and all this shit, that's going to be the spin zone. Oh, there was no depth. Well, whose fault is that? that that's Daryl Morey's fault. He's, a, he's the uh, you know the guy that controls the roster, if I'm not mistaken. So it'll be interesting to see. I think they can win. I, I, I'm picking them at seven. Um, but I, I don't know how much farther it goes after that because then I don't know. Are you looking at the Heat? Are you looking at Boston or the Nets? I'm not sure. Run with us, show your love, clap your hands, stomp your feet, run it back. Oh, man, if we got to run it back. I mean, we got to run it back with Harden uh, after, after making that deal, and that's kind of what I called for when the trade happened. I called for making the finals this year, bringing them back, and winning one of the next two championships. But after seeing this guy play, I mean – what is he, 32, 33? I mean, is it unfair to say that, that he's washed? I mean, I mean, let, let's see him play in the playoffs, man. But, like, like the, the things I'm hearing on sports talk radio driving around about, he doesn't have to be the Harden that he was when he won MVP, scoring oh, 36 a that. game. We're already doing that. He, he just needs to be the point guard that we never had for Joel, that Ben couldn't be. That, that's uh-huh. where we're at. Wow. Wow. If you recall when this trade was made and I saw him play, there was another guy that I compared him to in terms of how much tread he had left on the tire. Do you recall? Do you recall the, the name I threw around? I don't. This reminds me. Of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. It reminds me a lot of the trade that they made for Chris. C-Web. Chris Weber. 
yeah, he came off that 20 and 10 year, and then he's giving you like 16 and seven, then it's 13 and five, then he's washed and he's out of the league. It's just crazy that you hear these things that Harden doesn't have to be the all star, the top 10 or NBA top 75 guy that he is or that he was. Like, he doesn't have to be that guy. We just need him to run the point. And that, then you've got other people calling in that they're going to beat the Raptors in five. And then Boston's going to beat the Nets, and then the Sixers will beat Boston, and then they'll beat the Suns in six. Like, it's just going to be a complete cakewalk. And these these are the same people that are going to find the spin zone in the summer. It's, I don't know. I, I, I just can't handle it. Like, what have we seen from this team, from this group of players, from this coach that leads you to believe that they're ready to win, like, a dogfight of a series? Because I really think that's what they're in for. Like, T- Toronto... Obviously, still has some pieces from when they won the finals. Uh, you know, they they have other guys now, and they're well coached. And, and I feel like they're hard nosed. And the Sixers just kind of play like this soft ball. But maybe it'll change. Maybe it'll change for the playoffs. I hope it does. I just I'll have to see it to believe it. Sixers fans crack me up because they just flip flop from like strategy to strategy. First, they had AI bringing the ball up, scorer, slasher, shooter. Then, then it, oh, it was such a nice change of pace to bring in Andre Miller, a true point guard, someone who can distribute. And now we got James Harden. Well, now we need a point guard. Well, then br- dial up 46-year-old Andre Miller. I'm sure he can run the damn point. You probably still could, but I don't think I have anything else on the Sixers. We'll look forward to game one. Saturday night. I, I, I'm I'm honestly ready. I mean, I'm I'm excited to uh, to lock in and, and watch watch some playoff hoops. But I got to be honest. I told I told some other folks this. Like, I think part of the reason I'm excited is because I get excited to watch the implosion. Oh, of course. And this year we got something else to watch too. The uh, the Brooklyn Nets and the possibility. I mean, is are you hearing what I'm hearing? The possibility that 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 baby Ben could come back in some type of capacity for the playoffs. I mean, we'll see. But does he have the mind right? Is the back right? And can Ben make a push for a championship? That would, I would, I would laugh so hard. I would, I would, in fact, I'd stomp my feet. I'd clap my hands if I saw Ben hoist the trophy with the confetti coming down. Uh, Maybe Ben just didn't want to, play for a loser in Glen Rivers. Have we ever thought about that? I'm watching uh I got I got the Nets game on in the background, the playing game here, and I, I saw Ben all louied up on the bench, but now there, there's no shot in hell this guy comes back. Um you know he, he didn't he didn't want to face the music when he blew it last year for the Sixers. He didn't want to come back to Philly. He didn't want to play for us. And I don't know that I ever brought this to light on the pod, but I think the guy's got a herniated disc in his back, L five. Now that's what I had. Uh, and it was diagnosed with late in the fall last year, held me out of fall, fall golf, held me out of, you know, any activity over the wintertime other than physical therapy. And it took me six weeks of PT and I'm continuing to do my, my core exercises, you know, at least three days a week, uh, to keep my back right so that I continue to play golf this year. I mean, if you think Ben Simmons can stick to a, a training regimen that requires, uh, I don't know what six, seven hours a week, uh, consistently where he, where he can't just sit on his ass in his Louis Vuitton hockey sweater with his, 
his diamond earrings on or he can't be seen with some Kardashian somewhere, it's taking time away from that. You got no business. Well, well, gee, you know me that this guy is going to be back. You know, he's a gamer, too, man. So are you saying that in two different domains, rehab and gaming, you'd be willing to take on Ben Simmons one on one? A hundred percent. You know, I'm a gamer. Well, he's a COD guy. You're a Halo guy. I mean, are you willing to jump over to COD and pop his tops? Yeah. Can drop into Warzone, drop into Verdansk, try to catch a dub on Ben. <laughs> but no, I just, I, there's no way that guy's willing to put in the work to get his back right. And, and like, the other thing is, too, that I think about if he wanted to play that bad, he could play. Like, my back hurt, man. Like I could, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't roll over in bed. But you could have played. I could have played basketball. Well, you could have played golf too, right? But you dodged. Uh, no, I, I golf now. Now there were golf swings that were taken, and then shoes couldn't be tied. But you know, you could get a little cortisone if if you were a pro and get a little Theragun and all the treatment you need without without lifting an arm and play some basketball for crying out loud. And not not to go off on a tangent, but I think part of your issue was when you play golf on the first hole, you have a wallet in your, in your, in your pants that is heavy. And then as it gets close to the 18th hole, the wallet gets lighter. So your equilibrium gets thrown off when you're swinging a golf club. I think that's part of the issue. I think you really need to work on balance and either just going purely digital Bitcoin, uh, no physical cash, uh, because every time you get stripped of dollars on a golf course, it throws off your L5. Yeah, we'll have to see how my balance is on Friday. We'll see if we're still talking about our, our personal golf rounds in the pod next week. And, and if we're not, everybody knows who won. And everybody knows why. <laughs> Any bones to pick this week or anything else on the Sixers or anything? Yeah, I got a mega, 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 mega bone to pick of the week. Let it rip, man. Uh, there was a video going around of uh, some little twerp who uh, hit a home run in presumably Little League. And you, you ca- the video picks up of him uh, in between second and third. He's round and third, high fives the coach. He's got the Bryce Harper helmet on with the, you know, the face guard. Uh, he's got the, the David Ortiz chain around his neck. And probably what are the base? What are the bases in Little League? Sixty feet. Sixty. Maybe it. Maybe forty-five feet away from home. This little punk uh, uh, breaks into the gritty and uh, prances his way to home plate, where he's met by his teammates, who proceed to dap him up. And it's on a baseball hype account, talking about how hype it is and how great it is, and um. And I commented, and, and I want to want to read the comment because it it really just kind of, in, in my opinion, kind of just uh, you know, it explains how I feel about the entire situation. I feel like baseball is going in the wrong direction in terms of, you know, bringing in all these other sports and how they do it, and 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 football celebrations and basketball celebrations and what have you. Um, but here's the uh, here's the comment. Uh, and this is the bone to pick I, I have, uh, you know, for the week. This is the softest shit I've ever seen. There was a de- now, there was a debate in the comment section about throwing at the kid, and I wanted to make sure that everyone knew where I stood. Forget throwing at him. This kid would not have touched home plate 25 years ago, because the catcher would have tackled him 
and ripped the chain he won from the arcade claw game right off his little eight-inch neck. I then proceeded to to send the video to my college baseball coach. Uh, uh, some of you may know uh, know the guy, and uh, I got his opinion on it. And here here was his here was his take. I, I I texted him. I said, Coach, what would you expect your catcher to do in this situation? He responds, after calling him a fucking asshole when he touched home, I would expect my catcher to drill the next player up the bat. And then he followed it up with a text that just said, asshole. So that's my bone to pick of the week. Not that particular kid. All right. You know, I'm not here to pick on one individual 12-year-old, but just today's culture, the idea that a kid can do that, not, not flip a bat not stand there and watch a home run to come around third and break into the gritty is so disrespectful to the game. It's disrespectful to the opposing players. It's disrespectful to the opposing pitcher. It's disrespectful to your parents. And gee, we're getting to the age now where you, you kind of make the transition from player to parent. And before you would say, man, like, Oh wow, that kid hit a homer. Could I, could I have ever done that? And you think to yourself, well, no, I would have never done that. But now you think to yourself, hang on a second here. If I was the parent, what would I have done? And I can assure you that if the grenade hit a home run, no matter how far it went, and he comes around third base, hits the gritty, touches home, bomb would be in the dugout, barking at him to get his ass into the dugout, pack up his fucking shit, because we're going home, and you're getting your freaking ass beat. Wow. Yeah. I'm surprised you even know what the gritty is. Like, I, I didn't know that was the term for the for the move that this kid hit round and third. But I totally agree. I, I would have, have have my kid by the year get, getting into the car and, uh, you, you know, shut shutting down the Xbox, the, the cell phone the and the baseball for, for a few weeks, because that's just not how you carry yourself out there. You know, you, you, you lose with class, you win with class. That's the best way to do it. Um, but it made me think about too, like a lot, a lot of the stuff that's been going on, uh, and not, not to go down to the, the, the hockey rabbit hole, but on a similar, similar point or so, similar note, you know, these guys, these young guys in the NHL now are ripping this Michigan goal, right? Where they're behind the net and they toe drag it up onto the stick and then they just throw it around the goalie around the post in, into the top of the net. And some of the older players in the league, you know, will, will take runs at these guys after they kind of pull these showboaty moves. And then these young kids are, you know, totally surprised and totally taken back and say that it's embarrassing and unacceptable for these guys. Like, that, that that's total nonsense. Like, these kids are just getting into the league and they're showboating with all these moves. And you know what? I think that's great. That's fine. You know, it's the new, the new era. There's new moves. It's the progression of the game. Great. But you, you can't be a 20-year-old kid co- coming into a league full of men that have grinded for years and tell them, you know, that they got to play by your rules. I mean, that that's part of hockey. That's part of the game. You know, if you showboat, you toe dance and uh, deke and do all this crazy shit, uh, and these guys take offense to it when, when the games are out of hand or whatever, like, that's part of the game. That's part of hockey. That's what makes it great. That's what people want to see. I would rather see a fight in hockey than a kid do a Michigan goal and then toss a stick into the crowd. I, t- I totally agree. But what happens when the older guys are no longer in the league? That's the scary part. You know what I mean? That's what gets scary. And and like I said 
previously is some of this stuff cyclical where you almost need to wait for our generation to have kids. The generation that watched the chase always of the world, just bust it, just go right, you know, hit his home or drop the bat and go around the bases at full t- base bases at full tilt. Like, are those going to be the young guys that are going to have to come up when these, when these showboats are older and reintroduce the old school style of play, whether it be hockey or baseball. I mean, the great thing about both of those sports and the reasons why I respect the shit out of baseball and hockey, uh, to a lesser extent football, but definitely not basketball is those two sports that we mentioned generally historically have policed themselves, whether it be a guy catches one in the ribs, you know, uh, 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 the, uh, the opposing pitcher responds right and sticks up for his teammate or, you know, uh, a hockey uh, a hockey player goes out on the ice with the intention of taking care of business and settling a score. That's what makes both of those sports, in my opinion, you know, real sports. Unlike this basketball, hold me back stuff, uh, flop fest, uh, soccer, you know, football, you don't see a lot of it because you're not going to you're never going to really fight with a helmet on. I mean, that's just stupid. But um, I mean, it's been generations and, and, and you know, decades, if not hundreds of years of the way that the, these games have been played and you get these young bucks coming up. All they've ever done their entire lives is put their perfect game stats in their Instagram bio class of 2032, 6.7 stars, perfect game, 90 MPH, 87 mile an hour exit velocity. Uh, I'm sure there's guys that are doing the same shit in hockey putting their 60-yard dash up on the freaking screen. Uh, the game is bigger than your stats. The game is meant to be played the right way, and I'll just end it at that. Yeah, well said. Bombs bone to pick of the week brought to you by Shamrock Zone. Uh, anything else to get to tonight? Not on my end, G. Yeah, no, I'm good here. And, uh, Bomb, thanks for uh, kind of driving the bus here. I'm little under the weather and hacking away on mute, but appreciate it. Good conversation. Look forward to some more Phillies baseball, some more T-Mac uh, clownery in the booth this week. And we'll look forward to Sixers Raptors game one on Saturday. I don't know when game two is going to be yet. Um, so we might, you know, plan episode 44 kind of around that a little bit. We'll see what happens, but no matter what, we'll be back at some point next week to, talk to everybody so as always thank you for listening thank you to shamrock son thank you to menard premium detailing thanks to our guy bomb and wherever you're listening leave us that five star rating and enjoy your week clap your hands stomp your feet and uh ring the bell we'll talk to everybody next week peace